0: Drinks, food, art, fun. This is Hops and Spirits Kentucky.
1: Christmas season is officially upon us. The calendar has flipped into December, and we've got another great episode for you this week as we talk with Naked Lady founder Becca Gardner. I'll explain more about that later as part of our Q&A. But first, some news and notes from around the great state of Kentucky. First, we start off with December anniversaries for Kentucky's Craft Breweries. Wide in Louisville celebrates on December 9th. Goodwood, Lexington on December 14th. Rockhouse Brewing in Lexington on December 16th. And then both on December 18th, you have Scout & Scholar in Bardstown and Siglusher in Frankfurt. Maiden City out of of Cynthiana on December 22nd. And last but not least, Versailles Brewing Company on December 29th. And the Brewers Guild also has some limited time offerings that would be perfect gifts for the holiday season. You can find them at KYG Brewers on Instagram. Uh, click the link in their bio to find all the details there. And Bourbon News, Bardstown Bourbon Co- Company is opening a new experience in downtown Louisville. Uh, it'll be at 730 West Main Street, complete with educational classes, a full service bar, and bottle shop. It is set to start pouring in summer 2023. Uh, the bourbon uh, attraction will hone in on the Bardstown-based distillery's modern skill in blending and, and bur- aging bourbon. Oh my goodness, blending and aging bourbon and cocktail making. So you'll have to keep an eye out for that come summertime. And then back in Lexington, Griffin Gate announced it will be hosting the inaugural Bourbon Con on January 20th and 21st. The weekend will feature 30 plus bourbon and culinary partners who will offer tastings, cooking demonstrations, panelist discussions, and live interactive entertainment. Visit GriffinGateEvents.com for more information. And up next is our Q&A with Naked Lady founder Becca Gardner. The non-alcoholic spirits company is based out of Louisville and is doing some pretty cool things in the non-alc space hear how it all came to be next. Enjoy.
0: Did you know Hops and Spirits is more than just this podcast? Check out hopspirits.com for our latest episode release, past episodes, interviews with interesting folks in the alcohol industry, and so much more. Just go to hopspirits.com. Feel free
1: to wait until this podcast is done. Joining us here for our Q&A this week, she's the founder of Naked Lady. And she'll explain exactly what that means here in just a second. Please welcome in Becca Gardner.
0: Hello. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: Becca, thank, thanks for, for joining us. And, and for those that, you know, I feel like this time of year, you know, we, we're going to so many get together, so many different events that we might be having some drinks. Um, and maybe we don't always want them to be as strong. And that's kind of what you're probably going to be talking about. But before that, the Cliff Notes version of a little bit about yourself to not give too much away for the rest of the chat.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I was born and raised in Kentucky. I actually grew up in Henry County. And um, after that, I moved to New York City where I spent 12 years. And right before the pandemic, I came back to Louisville. I, I was working in consulting in New York and I actually moved back because I wanted to start the company that we'll be talking about today. And so I'm living in Louisville now. And I I love to say, I feel like it's the happy medium between growing up on a thousand acres in the middle of nowhere and living in Manhattan. So, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, I, I'm a non-drinker. I gave up drinking about five years ago, but I have always been a pretty avid fan of the hospitality industry and creating, you know, drink and food experiences for people. And so, um, I guess what we'll be talking about today is the company where I really tried to create a little bit more inclusion for folks like myself that, uh, kind of popped off the wagon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and it's true that, that many are, are doing that. And, and you're one that likes to stay busy. Cause like you said, you've got, you know, the, the distilling company that we're going to be talking about that produces a couple of different, uh, non-alcoholic spirits. I think you're a yoga teacher. You've been a board member on numerous nonprofits and things like that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, do you ever slow down?
0: I don't. Not really. Not really. You know, I have to say, though, it's so funny because um, moving back to Kentucky was one of the best decisions I ever made for myself. And I think there is just this kind of chaotic energy of the city in New York where you feel like you have to always be doing something or you're going to be falling behind. And so I have to say, you know, I'm, I'm very busy with the business, but I really have found a little bit more time to, you know, just been with myself and my fiance, which he appreciates. Moving back here, so still, you know, really trying to find balance <laughs> when I can.
1: I I completely understand that. I completely understand. I think many of us are are like that. And you you mentioned that you were in the hospitality industry, and you came back to Kentucky to to launch what is now Naked Lady. What led to the creation of that? And for those that don't know, it's it's spelled or stylized N K D L D Y.
0: Yes. Yes. So naked lady without the vows. Um, well, so I, I gave up drinking while I was still working in consulting and my job really was living in hotels, flying several times a week, taking clients out to dinners. And while the decision for me to stop drinking ended up just being a great decision for myself, I, I thought it was going to be something temporary, but it ended up just deciding to stay with it. And, um, you know, it was good for so many reasons. The disadvantage was that I quickly felt so alienated uh, from so many of the experience that I had once loved. I've always been a pretty social person. So whether that's going to bars or restaurants or just, you know, doing random things, there's always drinking involved. And so, you know, this went on for about a year, but then I got to the point I was so frustrated that I just I knew there had to be a better way. And I actually decided I wanted to leave consulting and I was interviewing for this job in London. And, uh, you know, it, it was my dream job for a lot of reasons, but I was actually more, I was actually more struck by the non alk space in the UK three years ago. And so, you know, I spent almost all of my time in London and I probably spent a month there total going to every bar and restaurant I could to see what non-alc options they had. And I just left with this idea that, you know, something like this could also work in the U S and, I ended up kind of, you know, putting the points together where I was like, wait, I grew up along the bourbon trail. I'm, I'm from Kentucky. I'm a lover of spirits. And, you know, maybe this is something where I'm well-suited to try, you know, to do something about it. And so it was a couple months before the pandemic. I actually, which ended up being great timing, frankly, I I left New York, um, moved back in with my parents in Shelbyville, Kentucky to start kind of figuring out what it could look like to create a quote unquote, authentic non-alcoholic spirits company. So, well,
1: and and like you said, for those that don't know Europe is way more, uh, you know, in the, the world of non-alcoholics, they've been doing that for a long time, whether that's beer or or spirits. And now the U S is kind of catching up, you know, you mentioned that the naked lady, how stylizes without the vowels. How did, what does the name signify? Why did you go with that look? And, and
0: everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as, you know, even a connoisseur spirits, you know, there are, there are many brands, especially in the Brown spirits category that are named after men. So I think, you know, initially I wanted to name this one after a woman. And I hate to say when I couldn't think of a good, a good choice, you know, I, I wanted it to be something a little bit more generic and, you know, I love the word lady, which is kind of the Southern ubiquitous term for a woman. And then, you know, naked having multiple meetings. So I think naked being stripped down in the sense of the hospitality industry, but I think also naked and just kind of that feeling of like, you know, going into these social situations and not necessarily having that shield or that lubricant. And I think for me, that was something that initially was really uncomfortable, but building this business has really been about trying to create a lot more comfort and even, you know, celebration or even cool factor around that. So kind of elevating that idea of kind of stepping into these spaces undisguised. And so that was really the, you know, the heart and soul behind Naked Lady.
1: Well, it's a great name. And and you can always say it's just so hard to pick one person to name something after, because there are a lot of uh, many females that are were integral in the in the alcohol space that never got their due.
0: It totally, totally.
1: And, you know, you you picked a whiskey, you got a whiskey, a gin and a tequila. Why go with those three? Obviously, I know you kind of mentioned being in Kentucky from Kentucky, the whiskey probably had to be a must, but why the (laughs) why the other other two?
0: Yeah, so you're exactly right. And honestly, when I set out to do this, I it was first and foremost going to be a whiskey. I I didn't imagine that out of the gate I would be developing three products. Um, it was actually through a lot of conversations I had with bartenders and prospective customers where I realized that you know even though I'm a Kentucky girl and when I think of spirits I immediately think of whiskey and bourbon. Um, that's not where you know a lot of people you know would go as their first choice. And so I think with our mission really being to make the drinking experience accessible to everyone we wanted to provide folks with some of those kind of core building blocks of a lot of the most common you know cocktails they know and love and so i think you know we started with the gin the tequila and the whiskey and i think you know we'd eventually love to have like a rum um, and kind of continue to build out those product lines but these these cover our at least kind of basic bases for now
1: well like you said it, most cocktails are probably built off of, of those three. And if that's kind of exactly. where most would, would go with and, and bartenders know, know a thing or two uh, about the, the drink world and their, their customers.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: I, I was curious, cause you mentioned a lot of times, you know, the pro you guys make real booze minus the alcohol. And there's a yeah. bunch of different ways folks have kind of come at this in terms of creating these non-alcoholic spirits, uh, spirits. How does your process work maybe compared to others?
0: Yeah. So, you know, I think without having a science background, I kind of came into this with this like stubborn resolution that I wanted to make this as real as possible. Um, And so I think from, from the outset, I really wanted to find a way to somehow use real spirits as a part of the base for, for our products. And that was how I learned about the process called vacuum distillation which is a lot more prevalent in the wine industry um, i think people have probably seen these kind of non-alcoholic de-out wines where you know they actually make uh, a wine and then through vacuum distillation they remove the ethanol from it and so you know my curiosity was like would that actually be able to apply to spirits and the answer is yes it's it's a bit more complicated But, um, you know, so we use that process as our starting point and what we realized through that is, you know, you can make incredible flavors in a lab today, The, the science is so much more sophisticated, but particularly for the whiskey, it's a really tough nut to crack, it is very, very difficult to make an artificial or natural flavor. That tastes like what comes out of those barrels, and so you know, for us, it, it felt necessary if we were really trying to give our customers the best possible product.
1: And and then you know, while you were going through through all this, how how much fun or, or maybe not fun was it as you were <laughs> trying to figure out to get those flavors that you wanted? Because at the end of the day, you can create something that's non-alcoholic, but like you said, people still want to be able to taste things that they're used used to tasting.
0: To- totally, and and frankly, like. I think part of the reason that we have the other products is because we wanted to offer additional options. But part of it was also because as we were moving along the process to create the whiskey product, we found that it wasn't quite as complicated to perform this process on the tequilas and the gins, And, you know, so I think, um, it was exciting, but it was, it was frustrating. It was challenging. It was definitely more complicated. I don't know how I had an idea of how complicated it would be, but you know, it took almost a year for us to figure out the science behind these products and hundreds of tests. Um, cause you know, with vacuum distillation and even just like flavor curation, there are just so many different variables that you can tweak. And so, you know, I, I actually started working on the process on my own. And when I kind of realized what my own limitations were, I started looking for other people to kind of pull into the conversation and have, you know, met a lot of really great scientists and formulators along the way. But, you know, for many of them, this is a completely new type of project as well. Um, you know, it's, it's a new category. I think a lot of people are excited for the challenge, but it's something that they've not necessarily gone after before. So
1: yeah there's unfortunately not a, a lot of blueprints. what folks are doing.
0: <laughs> and I like there's this part of me that loves that, you know. It's like kind of like the wild wild west, but then in terms of like figuring out timelines and budgets, it, you know, it's sometimes pretty complicated because you you sometimes frankly just don't know.
1: And and that uh, but you know that is kind of the spirits category. Sometimes you just don't know you
0: and just time don't is know. never on
1: your on your on your you know, you're just going with time and when things finally do do taste good and And how close do they resemble their, their alcoholic counterparts? Cause I'm sure that's what a lot of people are always curious about.
0: Yeah. So I think they are, you know, we've gotten feedback that they are the best in the category and this is a category that is quickly expanding and I'm sure the science will continue to improve with time and there will be competitors that really, you know, do present kind of, you know, some competition for us. But I think, you know, that being said, there are some differences like when you will, you know, have a shot of, of whiskey, for example, it's hard to deny that burn that makes you kind of take pause for a moment. And, you know, because we've removed the ethanol from our products, they just don't have that effect. And we've been able to, you know, extract some different derivatives from peppers and stuff to create a little bit of a heat and a tingle, but, you know, we're also not wanting to overwhelm the drinker with that. And, I'll say that, you know, drinking meat, you can definitely tell the difference because they just don't have the alcohol. But when you are making cocktails, um, they're more or less interchangeable, um, whether it's a margarita or, you know, an old fashioned, they, they stand on their own pretty well in that context. So
1: yeah, the, the whiskey is always, always the hardest that, that burn that everyone's quote unquote.
0: (laughs) And and I think the thing with whiskey, you know, and I, you know, it's interesting because we're we really have this philosophy of kind of like continuous improvement and we're already working on ways to improve our products, even though we're, we're happy with, we're happy with V one, you know, but I think the thing with whiskey is especially here in Kentucky, people want to drink it neat. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it, it, we don't run into that same challenge as much with, with the gin and tequila, you know, people buy those, they expect to put them in cocktails, but I think for folks with, with our whiskey product, like their first inclination is to be like, you know, can I throw an ice cube in it and sip it um, after dinner? And I don't think we're quite there yet, but it certainly is a place we'd like to eventually reach
1: and and i think that's something that that folks always need to remember when going into the the non-alcoholic spaces is they're not exactly the same not meant to do exactly the same thing and if you Absolutely. go with that uh, that approach you'll you'll probably find some enjoyment there f- for you and you know you, you've talked about this whether it's yourself that's become a non-drinker and there there are many many like that or many that like to um i don't want to say water down because that's not correct you know cut cut their alcohol Literally. you know the the abv down What have you seen with the rise of of this kind of culture where that's more acceptable now?
0: You know, it's as as someone who's like lived and breathed this for the last three years, um, I have to say I've really seen. So when I first started it, I have to tell you, it was one in 20 people, one in 30 people I spoke to that would even just see any any potential value in this. I think most people thought it was kind of crazy. It wasn't something that really had staying power. And, you know, it's been interesting because that wasn't even just like on the side of potential customers. It was definitely on the industry side. So, you know, when I would talk to bartenders or potential places that we might want to work with, there was a lot of resistance. They just didn't think that, you know, customers would be purchasing this these products. And This is more subjective than just like data driven, but it's been really interesting because I would say in the last six months, we have had more organic um, leads in the hospitality industry than ever before, where we have actually had different bars and restaurants circling back to us, um, you know, who had initially said that they weren't interested in this type of product. And the reason they're reaching back out is because they have so many customers asking for them. And so... I think it's really exciting to see the growth. And I don't think it, I don't think it competes with, with alcohol. It's really interesting to see how many folks already weren't consuming a ton and maybe weren't drinking a ton. And I think because those are the folks that generally weren't necessarily like out of the bars or ordering at the restaurants, these kind of beverages, you know, you don't realize that. But I think what these bars and restaurants are realizing is like, that's a huge population. It's a growing population and they're leaving dollars on the table, you know, if they're not accommodating these people and these choices. And so I think for us, we see it as a win-win and, you know, we always set out to collaborate, not compete and figure out how to work with the alcohol industry, just to kind of expand the options for folks in these types of experiences.
1: Well, exactly. And, and, you know, Sometimes when you go out, one person in your group might not want, want to uh, drink an alcoholic beverage. And it's nice for them to have that, that option at an event that might have a lot of bourbon.
0: <laughs> and, and I think the you know, the other thing I'll say is that um, you know, it's been really interesting to see how many different reasons there are that people might not necessarily, you know, be drinking. And I think one thing that I've really seen in this kind of like strange post pandemic era is that. You know, if you're not drinking, um, the assumption isn't immediately that you're an alcoholic. And, you know, while there's nothing wrong with that, I think that people, you know, fearing being kind of labeled as that, you know, for one reason or another would be a reason that people might not go out at all. Or they might drink because they fear the stigma that might be associated with it. And what we've actually found, which is interesting, is that most of our customers are actually drinkers. Um And it's like about 50% men, 50% women. And it really is those folks that, you know, for whatever reason, it's like, maybe they have a big meeting the next day, or maybe they're training for a race, or, you know, maybe they're trying to lose weight. And it's all of these, you know, just like kind of inconsequential reasons where, you know, people would prefer to still be able to participate in the experience just without the booze. And so I've seen a lot more demand from that customer group in the last year, as opposed to just the exclusive non-drinking community.
1: I, I would be one of those. I always keep a a good uh, in the in the fridge um, a good mix of of non-alcoholic beverages because sometimes you just don't want to actually have that uh, that that full on uh, <laughs> totally. hangover the next day. <laughs> totally. Totally. And, you know, you, you mentioned too, it's some of it's that, that perception and, you know, it's not like it's a bad thing to say you want a non-alcoholic drink. Like you you said, sometimes maybe they're the designated driver. Maybe they just don't want to have anything, but they still want a cocktail. They don't want to have a water or something like that. How important is it to change those perceptions, whether it's the customer, um, or even, you know, those bartenders and restaurants that may have never thought about that before.
0: I think that, um, it's it's so incredibly important, and I want to say that a bit of the onus, and you know, this comes from I think just the experience I've had this year, but I I, I think it really is on the hospitality community um, because what we've seen is that there is a tremendous difference in the the sales and you just like the volume of non-alcoholic beverages that people will order from an establishment that makes it easy and innocuous. You know, even the places that like just integrated into their regular menu and maybe have an asterisk besides the cocktails that they can order non-alcoholic as opposed to having to direct someone to a mocktail menu, which feels like some sort of kind of like more juvenile choice. Um, You know, we, we work with Galaxy here in Louisville and, you know, they sell a ton of naked margaritas. And a lot of times they'll have customers come in And they'll order one or two regular margaritas, and then they'll switch to a naked margarita. And so I think that, you know, as there are so many new products and brands emerging that are eager and excited to get into these spaces, it really ends up being the distributors and the the bars and restaurants that become the gatekeepers. And so I think, you know, a big thing for us is trying to really work with them on, you know, education, letting them know what we've seen, what's worked, because, Yeah. You know, if you have a bottle, you know, hidden on the back bar somewhere where the customer can't see of a non-alcoholic product and it's not on the menu, you're probably not going to sell much because people aren't going to go out of their way to ask, hey, by the way, you know, can you potentially whip me up something non-alcoholic? But if they see it right there in plain print before them, you know, it just, it, it makes it a lot easier thing for somebody to opt into, So I think our customers are getting much more courageous because they're the ones that are driving a lot of the demand in these places. Um, It's just about, you know, getting, getting these bars and restaurants on board and getting these bartenders on board. Um, And I think a lot of it is kind of like dismantling that idea that non-alc is a threat, you know, that non-alc is going to take something away from them. And, you know, that it means that alcohol won't be as relevant and important. And I think it's quite the contrary. I think, you know, we're just creating a healthier environment. And I think there's room for everyone at the table.
1: It's, it's another option for for someone to have a drink that that might not have, have gone that way. And, you know, I'm curious too, you mentioned, you know, one, getting the process down, to getting into these bars, restaurants, things like that. What have been some of those challenges that you faced that you maybe didn't expect along the way, or maybe you did?
0: Yeah, I mean, part of it is you know, a little bit due to my own naivety and I guess ignorance not having worked in the beverage industry before. But, um, you know, I think when I first set out and was kind of developing my business plan, it it was really exciting to see that as a non-op product, we could just distribute and move product in any which way we wanted. You know, we didn't have to work with a distributor. We didn't have to work within the three-tier system. We could sell directly to bars and restaurants, just like no, you know legal restrictions around anything, but I think the thing that we've realized is that that might be true and, you know, the profitability might look really exciting there, but, you know, there's, there's two parts of it. Like one, these establishments don't want to go through the hassle of creating like one-off invoices or having conversations with folks separate than their regular sales reps. It's just, these places are such busy, bustling places as is like, They want you to be able to integrate into the kind of structure or infrastructure that they're used to operating in. And I think the other thing that we realized was that, you know, unless we're working with distributors, um, you know, we don't really credentialize ourselves in the same way. You know, there's really this kind of like stamp and seal of approval that you get from kind of working within the traditional spirits and alcohol infrastructure. And so I think, you know, out of the gate, we were... You know, going to be disruptive across the board and do everything different. Which, you know, I, you know, it, it it was fun to try, and I think fun to see what really did work and didn't. But I think we're in this new position where we're like, okay, well, we already have a disruptive product. You know, the product itself is a little bit of a tricky sell. It requires a lot of education and handholding. So, like. Maybe there are other parts of the process where we don't necessarily need to reinvent the wheel and we can kind of work within the existing systems and structures. And I think that's been where we've been finding our sweet spot. And, you know, as we look towards this next year, we'll be getting into distribution in multiple markets. And I think, you know, the team, we all feel really good and excited about that. So...
1: That, that is interesting. That is because you, you you would think because I know for some like athletic, that's been a huge boon for them because they can ship, they can do all sorts of things, which I'm sure that if you're going direct to consumer is great, but the direct to bars and others is a little more, more difficult.
0: Exactly. And I think that, you know, we I think we we have and will continue to see our direct to consumer channel grow. But the other piece of that is that's just not how folks are used to buying spirits And so, you know, it's like most folks aren't going online to buy, you know, that bottle of Bullet and it's just kind of a different type of behavior. And so, you know, for us to be able to expect certain volumes there, it's like, we also have to educate consumers that that's an option. And so I think we've realized that, you know, being in distribution as we continue to grow direct to consumer, I think is an important kind of channel mix.
1: And then I guess my last question for you is what's next for for y'all? I mean, obviously 2022 is kind of closing down. You're you're a couple of years into this thing. You know, what what, what does the next year look for you look like for y'all?
0: So I think we are finally getting our stride and it, it, a lot of it has to do with, I think us spending a tremendous amount of time um, with industry partners this year, you know, bars, restaurants, and conversations with distributors to be like, okay, like, this was kind of our dream sky's the limit scenario, but like what's really feasible. And so I think that, you know, through that process, I think we have built a lot of really great relationships with bars and restaurants that have been able to generate enough demand that we've been able to start getting some distributors on board. And so while I can't announce who they are yet um, you know, I think we're really excited to be expanding beyond Louisville to be in Southern California in Nashville and Florida and some select kind of places in New York city this coming year. So, you know, we really used Louisville as our test grounds test market and this year will be with a much more kind of national focus. So fingers crossed, there's going to be a lot to learn through this <laughs> as well. <laughs>
1: Well, the the good news is it's not like the normal alcohol space where every single state is a completely different, uh, you know, uh, behemoth ah. to get through uh, of okay. red tape. So that should help a little bit. But but it's it's still an exciting time and and uh, like I said, it, it's a cool product to see and it's really cool to see what you're you're doing because this is a growing space and one that a lot of folks are are very interested. Whether it's this time of year, you know, the the, the holiday time, maybe post holiday for a dry January, but and exactly. now more more so. Th- than ever just year round as they make it part of their life. Absolutely. And, uh, uh, Becca, I, I appreciate you you sharing the story of naked lady and I, I can't wait to see what's next.
0: Yeah. Well, I appreciate you having me. This was great. So thank you so much.